0: IT'S TIME FOR A CHANGE! I have so much anger, I feel like I've been raped! IN THE FACE! RACHED! At no point in your rambling were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought.
1: the element of surprise. My name is Chadwick J. Suet. This is the element of surprise. Oh my fucking god, I hope you guys are ready. Jesus Christ, has it been a day. Oh, I need to calm down. I need to calm down. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. I know I say all the fucking time about how, quote, mentally irregular I am. I'm so fucking crazy. I'm so fucking insane. Well, guess what? I'm actually a normal fucking Joe. I'm a regular, average, red-blooded American, normal average Joe. I eat hot dogs, and I fucking eat hamburgers, and I apple pie, and all that American, regular, red-blooded American shit. Because get this shit. I'm nothing. I am nothing in the insane realm of insanity when it comes to Japan. Because you can't fucking out-crazy Japan. In fact, speaking of which, I had meant to, meant to say that welcome to the element of surprise, or as it's known in Japan... Welcome to the fucking element of surprise. Okay... So, you can not out-fucking-crazy Japan. Here's where we're going. I've mentioned many, many times in my life, and probably on this podcast, about my love of Japan and Japanese culture. They've got a very rich and cool fucking history, and have, for some time, been the one place on Earth that I'd literally strangle a drifter to be able to visit. Um, but all that being said... For all that it's rich history and it's amazing culture and all the cool shit they've got going on, Japan also holds the number one spot in the world for absolutely not giving a fuck about their criminally depraved insanity. So much so that I've regularly said and truly believe 100% to the bottom deepest darkest parts of my soul that no matter who you are, you cannot outcrazy Japan. Uh, my current example of this is uh, pretty much this whole fucking episode. I've got, gonna, we're going to talk about uh, online Japanese dating simulation games. We're going to talk about Japanese Demons. We're going to talk about video games that they have in Japan. We're going to talk about just regular Japanese shit. And then I'm also just going to come up with some regular examples of my own insanity and tell you about how, compared to Japan, they're just regular everyday nothing. That's just regular everyday nothing. So, um, beforehand, of course, check out the Element of Surprise on Facebook, e- uh, facebook.com backslash EOS Mentally Irregular. Go to Podbean, check us out, eosmentallyirregular.podbean.com. Um, uh I'm fired up. Okay, so there are, a, uh, there, there are a series of video games out there. And there, uh, by video games, I'm using that term loosely. What they're really are called are they're, they're, they're called Japanese visual novels. And uh, they're, they're set in a choice-based gaming environment. So what you do is you play the game, and it, it offers you choices. And depending on the choices you make, it pairs you up with one of other j- Japanese anime-style drawn characters that they present you with. So I've listed, I've painstakingly listed, a number of these that are so fucking out there that it literally warps your mind and crushes your mind into fucking gravy and just leaves it that way. Because apparently that is the purpose of being Japanese, is that if, if, if you are anything but Japanese, you have to make their mind just evaporate into a fucking blood mist and leave it that way. So, the first one that I came across... I'm going to uh, start with this one here. It's called Let's Meow Meow. And uh, if, I bet, uh, yeah, it's called Let's Meow Meow. Oh, yeah, no, no, no go ahead, Ash, make a sound. because Make, make a happy sound because uh, it's not going to fucking reflect that shortly. So um, I bet money that anybody, whoa, my goddamn chair tilted. Son of a bitch. Yay! Anakin, shut up.
0: Yay! Ah! Yay!
1: All right, so I'd be willing to fucking bet money based off, uh, where was I? Fucking, God damn it! Let's Meow Meow. Okay, so the first Japanese dating simulator game that I've come across is called Let's Meow Meow. And I'd be willing to bet money that anyone can guess the entire plot of the game Let's Meow Meow just from that title alone. But, in case not, it's from Japan, which should pretty much clear up any misgivings you may have had. Uh, that... The setup of this entire... Game. The entire plot of this is that you're a 16-year-old boy who has always been kind to cats. And so, because this is Japan and for no other reason other than it is Japan, a powerful cat deity shows up at your door and rewards you. Rewards you and your kind heart, who's always nice to stray cats, with a wish. And naturally, because it's Japan, you ask for a cat girl to have sex with. So, as you'd expect of any wish granted by a cat deity, a few days later you get a box in the mail. And uh, inside that box is a nude cat-girl-human-cat hybrid woman thing, who is also a housemaid for some reason, because there's a legal or obligation to include those in all Japanese games. And uh, as soon as your cat girl awakens, she introduces herself and then gives you a BJ. Um, And as the game continues, you'll meet other animal women to bang, all of whom live with you for some reason. Um, There's your cat girl... Uh, Who's a housemaid there is a bunny girl who's literally a playboy bunny There's a dog girl who dresses like a nazi Um, And then there's another cat girl who's not a cat girl at all She's actually a robot designed to be a cat girl and then finally there's your human girl uh, Next-door neighbor who's your childhood friend and who's always had a uh, secret longing for you who just happens See my air quotes folks just happens to enjoy dressing like a cat all the time especially during sex Oh, and then I forgot to mention that each of these girls have personality and physical traits of their respective animals. Just in case you forget that you're playing a Japanese game about banging animal girls. Now, the next one, the next one I was literally shocked to find out existed. And uh, as anybody that physically knows me is aware, it's very, very difficult to actually physically shock me. But when I came across this, I just literally had to take a step back, and my mind, forgetting that it came from Japan, actually just said, "What the fuck is this?" And then I realized, "Oh yeah, wait, no, Japan." Um, this one is called, and I'm not making this up. You can look it up. It actually was created. Let me get, let me give you a backstory. Um, so in Japan, they have a lot of the same fast food restaurants that we have over here. They got McDonald's, they got Wendy's, and stuff. But they got to market it to Japan, to the Japanese crowd. So how are you going to do that with Kentucky Fried Chicken? What is KFC going to do to grab the attention of their Japanese customers? So here's what they did. They created a fucking, a fucking uh, da- a dating simulator visual novel called I Love You Colonel Sanders, A Finger Licking Good Dating Simulator, which is a real fucking game. And it released in September of 2019, just in case anybody else out there is revved up to play it and it definitely hits all those beats of the Japanese visual novel genre. It's set in a modern Euro-Japanese culinary school, where the player, in this case you, are tasked with winning the heart and business acumen of a young and handsome Colonel Sanders, while also engaging a supporting cast of characters that include your romantic rivals, best friends, a culinary professor who is also a dog for no reason, and what I'm going to describe as a as a as a McNugget Spectator Monster with spork arms, who I've literally watched videos for this. It fights you. It attacks you at random. So the 30 second promotion for this game shows you everything you need to know about I love you, Colonel Sanders. Uh, it kicks off the video in ja- classic Japanese anime style. With your rivals challenging you to cook-offs, all for Colonel Sanders' affections, while your BFF cheers you on alongside a robot that was just there for some reason. Also, there's a ghost. Colonel Sanders intensely chops ingredients and rockets off, standing passionately atop a giant pepper shaker. Your culinary professor, who once again is literally a dog, pops pops up happily, riding on a rainbow or driving a small car. And the entire cast joyously ride KFC crispy strips across the screen, and everything is happy and bright. Now listen to me, listen. I cannot explain why this concept exists, but it's honestly among the more normal Japanese dating simulation games out there. And if playing a free game about dating a white-haired 20-something Colonel Sanders while also trying to get good grades in a cooking class taught by a dog doesn't appeal to you, it may at least make you want to get a bucket of original recipe. Um, Now, as I said though, I love you Colonel Sanders is one of those more normal Japanese simulation games. Uh, For example, there are three exist three of them that exist in our world, a variety... They're, they're, how can I say this? There are a variety of really fucked up dating simulator games from Japan. And I use the term loosely here. Uh, they are very text-heavy, and per your choices, can end with a happy ending that is erotically suggestive and only a little bit insane, or a game over screen that is just pure Japanese Lovecraftian madness. For example... There's a game called School Days that is very popular in Japan, and it is a ro- it's an erotic visual novel in which your character is a teen teen boy named Makato who gets involved in a love triangle who that you as the player need to get him out of without breaking either girl's heart because if you do shit goes full out psycho. For example, if you string one of the girls along while uh, seeing the other girl on the side, the first girl catches on to this then murders her rival with a hacksaw in broad daylight, and then in a bloody glorious anime cutscene, threatens you and licks the blood off the hacksaw. So that's just one possible outcome. Um, now if instead, perhaps, you decide to break up with the first girl like an adult man, and take responsibility and then begin dating the other girl, the one that you break up with commits suicide by jumping off a bridge and lands on the cold concrete in front of you and the other girl. So, yeah, that's another ending. That's, That's the ending you get for doing what's right. Um, Another ending is if you stay with the first girl, the second girl will then just push her in front of an oncoming train. In 2007, they released an entire anime, 24 episode anime adaptation of this, and it ends with the protagonist decapitated and both girls dead. Yay! Fun! So, um, you know, if having two women trying to murder each other isn't your thing, though, then perhaps you'd like to play My Girlfriend is the President. Which, in which your girlfriend is the president! Now, this game begins with an alien craft smashing out of space and destroying the White House, killing everyone inside, and so to cover up the mess, the aliens then brainwash the entire Earth into thinking that some random teenage girl, I guess who was just the first person they fucking saw, is and who also happens to be your neighbor and the object of your affections, is now the president. Also, for no reason that I could discern, you're the vice president now. Um, and at this point, you reach the uh, that important moment in every 14-year-old boy's life where you must decide whether to pursue romance with the president, the chief of staff, a female Vladimir Putin, or the alien who caused the whole mess, all of whom look like 14-year-old girls. Because Japan. Now, as far as I know, this is the only dating game where you have to solve a Cuban missile crisis or deal with the uh, political tensions between Russia and Japan in order to woo your uh, intended female counterpart. But, you know, I suppose that just comes with the territory. Um, Meanwhile, you and the other characters are still attending high school classes while this is going on. Again, because Japan and no insane politically driven dating game would be complete without that. Um, So, the school parts of the game are pretty normal, except for one of your teachers is a panda with spectacles, and another is an evil uh, alien disguised as something that looks like a cross between Emperor Palpatine and a child molesting priest. And in the end... You and all four of the girls team up to fight that guy, and then get into a hot tub. The end. And then, the next one is just a, just a fucking rarity, man. The next one just goes to show you how fucking, like, deep the insane levels are willing to go. It's called Hatoful Boyfriend, which is a Japanese dating simulator for people who think Japanese di- dating simulators are just way too normal and logical. So, at the very least, the games I've described so far have characters that are human, or vaguely human, or resemble humans, even if it's a disturbingly young-looking ones. No, you don't get any of that with Hatoful Boyfriend. This game does follow the same visual erotic novel format, only everyone in the game is a talking pigeon. Yep, talking pigeons that you, a human girl, must date. And, as usual, the maniacs that created this game go way out of their way to give this game a complicated backstory that justifies what is already bizarre and insane premise. Uh, The short version of this is that bird flu killed off 85% of humanity. Birds are now the dominant species on the planet. Go. That's it. That's the the backstory. Um, And the game takes place, of course, at a school, and you're a schoolgirl horny for some bird-loving. So, I want to take a second to explain that every character who isn't you is represented by just a stock photo of a bird. Sometimes that bird is wearing uh, clothes that they drew over it in Japanese anime style. Sometimes it's just a photograph of a bird. Either way, every character is a bird. Now, let's take a moment to look at your potential life mates here. There's the uh, track and field star who's obsessed with pudding. Uh, Ooh, a racist who thinks humans and lesser birds are scum a bookworm pigeon, who is also a ghost, and then Shu. Dr. Shu, the school's antisocial doctor. Um, In my opinion, Shu, the doctor, is the best storyline by far, because firstly he's dismissive of you, but eventually he agrees to go on a date. Um, If you make all the right choices, Dr. Shu will agree to go on a date. Then, on Christmas Eve, he delivers a gift to your cave. Oh yeah, you live in a cave. Um, The gift is a roasted bird that turns out Dr. Shu is a serial killer who feeds you one of your potential love interests. Uh, whichever one you were closest to aside from Dr. Shu at that time in the game is the one that he murders and feeds to you roasted. Um, and then he just straight up murders you and keeps your severed head in a jar. Um, I have no idea how a partridge overpowers and murders a human, but it, but it's fine. That's fine. I didn't create it. It's fucking Japan. Um, and of course, the only way to court Doctor Shu and not be murdered is to befriend another bird who happens to be a sorcerer and confronts Doctor Shu in an epic battle of wizardry somehow and bird stuff. So, uh, was Hattiful Boyfriend insane enough for you? Did that did that really just be like, man, Japan is? He's right. You can't out crazy Japan. No, no. You you think maybe they're just along the lines of misunderstood? Here, next one: creature romances. Creature Romance is another marvel of Japanese interactive visual romance novels, and it is a game by a company called Nostalgia, which seems to me like an odd name for a company uh, to be making this type of game, and you'll understand why in a moment. See, Nostalgia created and released a game in 2013 called Creature Romances, which must have been based around the question, honestly, how weird can Japan actually be? And as the player, You are a human boy who lives in a world where you're the only human being, while the rest of Earth's population are monster-faced nightmare creatures, but they also happen to have compatible genitals. Um, This game, I want to make very clear to you, uh, avid listeners, right now, is part of a series. It's a series. There's more than one chapter to this fucking game. You can play each version of the game, and each one is a different outcome, because it's a fucking series. The creators came up with this alarming take on high school dating, and instead of stopping and being like, "Okay, yeah, we have really outdone ourselves with that weirdness," good job, people. They just kept pushing. They just kept making more. They're like, "Oh, you know what? What if happens? What happens this day if the grasshopper girl wakes up and finds out that the uh, finds out that the the beehive made out of flesh with teeth is in her bed? What did she do last night? Oh, what is that elbow looking? That guy that looks like an elbow with a the, the, with a bull skull attached to it?" What if he? What if he wakes up to find his genitalia trapped in the the, the uh, mouth of the uh, head of the the mouth of the person whose head is a fucking rat trap? What does he do then? Oh, we don't know. They just kept fucking going. Um, in one episode of the game that I stumbled upon, you start off by being woken up by your love interest, who is a cricket girl. Yes, Bouse, a cricket girl. Yay! Now, this cricket girl has is animated again, Japanese anime style, and she's animated. With her body in a way that suggests all the creepy sexual desires that each and every one of you, as I know from being my listeners, uh, secretly hold dear to yourselves. But her face suggests that she's going to vomit on your foot and melt it off like Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Now, once you get to the school, because no Japanese tale of human monster mating rituals is complete, of course, without a classroom setting, you meet your friend who looks like a human elbow fucked a cow skull. Then, you meet your teacher, an eyeless flesh beehive man with teeth, because Japan hates you and secretly designs every part of their culture to see how quickly your mind will break. Um, There's a unique lunacy that Japan has mastered the art of, and uh, it's disturbing to the world. For example, if you piss off your cricket girlfriend in this game, she tries to eat you, but only after she rapes you first, because maybe she's a grasshopper person. Or if you irritate your classmates or teacher, they also try to kill you, just more blatantly. Uh, I only think three other event, three others will attempt to rape you. Um, I'm not going to spoil the ending because I know your curiosity will eventually get the better of you and will force you to play all of these games that I've mentioned. Uh, but if you can manage to stay alive throughout the underage cricket girl courting process, she will kiss you with her proboscis. That happens. Okay, so... Maybe you're not into uh, cricket girl sex, which is all right. Maybe you're not turned on by a world populated by intelligent birds. That's cool, too. If, uh, if, if neither of those really uh, caught your fancy, I suggest you try The Bacon Lettuce Biographies. The Bacon Lettuce Biographies is a quote-unquote school-based boys love fairy tale adventure because that's how they advertise it in Japan. And in crazy reality, it is a game where you get the choice to romantically pursue one of two possible partners, a, a chunk of uncooked beef, or B, a clump of tuna fish. Keep in mind that this game comes from Japan, so I'm not saying that these are Japanese anime-style uh, boys or girls that are named tuna fish or beef. They are literally represented by f- literal chunks of sentient meat. Now, beef in the game is described as more popular and athletic of the two, while tuna often expresses itself more sensitively and... Uh, has a very artistic personality. And no, I'm not making this up. These are the personalities the insane creators of this game created for Beef and Tuna. The game begins with you meeting both Beef and Tuna and for some reasons unknown to logic, you are instantly smitten by them. From there, you are given a multitude of options which affect who you'll pursue romantically. And if you choose the option to romance Tuna, you are almost instantly given the choice to confess your undying love to it. And if you do, you get an awkward stare, Tuna goes, uh, thanks, and the game ends, you lose. If not, if you take it slow, Tuna's friends will give you some advice on how to better woo Tuna. And, uh, oh, I should say that Tuna's, quote, friends include a piece of celery, other uncooked hunks of fish, and a human girl whose name is Sushi. They also, as the game goes on, help you understand Tuna's growing feelings for you. Now, after all this sinks in... And uh, if your mind hasn't cracked and driven you screaming off into the night yet, I offer a personal warning. Do not, under any circumstances, play this game and try to bang both tuna and beef. Because if you do, aliens show up for unexplained reasons and abduct you. And strangely enough, you're not given the option to fuck the aliens. They just abduct you. Now... As I've said up until this point, if you want something done right, if you want something done right, and by right, I of course mean crazy, you go to Japan. Their rich and robust culture seemingly exists solely to confuse and befuddle those who hear about it, and much of what they consider daily routine we consider to be the LSD fueled ramblings, the LSD fueled ramblings rather of a hobo trying to fight a trash can. An example of this are the many, many demon monsters and deities in their actual folklore. Now, these are creatures that are widely feared in Japanese. These are actual Japanese demons I'm going to uh, list for you here. The first one is called Akaname, which roughly translated into English means filth liquor. The Akaname is basically an evil monster with a crazy long tongue, and it spends all of its time in neglected bathrooms. Like kind of some like a uh, crazy version of Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter if she had a Steven Tyler tongue. And the Akaname uses its long tongue to basically just slurp up the filth from the bathroom floors, walls, tubs, toilets, and everything else. It's disgusting in every way and the only thing I can think of to outgross it is if Gary Busey tried feeding an adult man cheese like the adult man was a baby bird. Like by chewing up adult cheese and spitting it into an adult man's mouth. Ha ha ha! Gary <laughs> just chewing up cheese and spitting it into your mouth. That's the only thing I can think of that's gross than the Akaname. So, all the disgusting stuff aside, I have no idea why this creature is considered frightening in Japan, because as far as I could tell during my research into it, the Akaname has no other ambition in life. It will not attack you, it won't eat you, it doesn't curse your children, it won't even frighten you away, it doesn't even acknowledge you, it just licks filth off your bathroom. It's, it's, it's a time and money saver, actually, in my opinion. Just start pissing on the floor and not flushing. And after a week or so, this gross fucker just comes up and cleans your bathroom. That sounds like a fucking deal to me. Um, okay, next up is the Itan Momen, which uh, is Japanese, roughly translated in English, means the cotton bolt. And so this thing is basically a 10-foot-long cotton bed sheet that fucking hates you. So... Imagine this. You know how sometimes you're in bed and you wake up and you're all tangled up in the sheets? They're all wrapped up on you? Imagine if the sheet is doing that to you on purpose. And I wasn't able to find any motivation for this thing to kill you either. It just does. Apparently, it just lives to smother the life out of you. Um, next one is called Napepo. Napepo is... Uh, okay, let me let, let me let me start over. Napepo. Napepo, uh, hopefully by now you're able to understand that when it comes to Japanese storytelling, the stories don't exactly need to flow in any way, shape, or form like they do in any other place that's not Japan. And the Nipepo is basically the embodiment of this. Translated into rough English, Nipepo means blob of flesh, which is exactly what this Japanese demon is. Just a large, sweaty lump of fat rolls, just hanging out. It's like taking a 600-pound person, removing the arms, legs, head, orifices, genitals, and inner organs, and bones. And what you've got left is Nepeppo, And all it does, at all, is stink like rotting, sweaty flesh, and aimlessly wander around abandoned areas at night. That's it. It literally does nothing else, and accomplishes nothing in its, in its existence. And according to the stories, uh, if you catch the Nepeppo and eat it, you're granted eternal youth. But... I don't know why you have to eat this thing. You have to get past the fact that it's essentially a 600-pound floating mass of swamp ass, but uh, that's the price, I guess, for eternal youth. Um, wait, what's that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. What? Why? why? Why would you have to eat it? Oh, because Japan. That's why. Shit is fucking nuts over there. Don't you get that yet? Moving on. Hyosube. Hyosube. I wasn't able to find an English translation for Hyosube. But uh, the Hyosube... Um, okay, so remember I just said the Akaname. The Akaname is, uh, the one that licks all the filth out of your bathroom. The Hyosube is basically the opposite of that. This little fucker is basically like a, ri- a river goblin covered from the neck down in, like, thick, stinky hair. that, And it sneaks into your bathroom while you're sleeping, and it just takes a bath. And then it just wrecks the place. It just fucks the place up, leaving nasty, wet clumps of its hair all over the place for you to just come and find. And if you clean up this mess... The, the Hiosube gets all pissed off and, and kills your horse. That's what it does. That's the Hiosube. So, bear with me, listeners. Bear with me. Here we go. So, imagine for a moment. I want everybody everybody within the sound of my voice right now to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine a very sweaty, naked Danny DeVito, covered in stank body hair from the neck down and covered in filth. Now, you've gone to bed for the night. And he, he DeVito sneaks into your home. And he goes into your bathroom and runs a nice hot bath. And he gets in the bath, and then he just diarrheas all through the bath water. And then he just flops himself out of the tub, and rolls around on the floor, and wipes himself off with your towels, and splashes some diarrhea rotter on the floor and on the walls, and then he just tosses clumps of his now soaked and shit-covered hair everywhere, and then he just leaves. That That's the that's the Hyotsube. So you wake up the next morning, you find this mess, and you clean it up, because it's fucking disgusting. And so DeVito, uh, you know, he just rushes back out of like the wilderness and he just kills your horse. So if you can visualize that, now you know the operations and life goals of the yosube, And um, all the, and like all the crazy demons from Japan, this is all it does. It just wrecks bathrooms and kills horses. And of all the stories I've researched, and have, uh, they seem to have a direct correlation between wrecking the bathroom and killing the horse. And I don't understand why, but it wouldn't shock me at all to find out that these are two completely unrelated things that the Kyosube just loves doing, um, because Japan. Oh, this next one is a classic. This next one is a classic. According to the stories I've read on this, this uh, the Japanese uh, fishermen fear this thing like nothing else. It is called Saze-one. oni and uh, that roughly translates to... In English to the sexy sea snail and I'm not making that up. I'm going to give you a moment to let that sink in as well. I'm going to tell you about the other relevant details involving it, but first I need you, I need you to make that the key takeaway from what I've just described to you as this creature. It is a sexy sea snail. Nobody until right now has ever said that phrase. Nobody was ever supposed to say that phrase. But Japan just tosses all logic aside, makes up a sexy sea snail, and then gives it a name, and then it gets worse. So, the stories that I've read go that if you bring the uh, Saze Oni onto your boat or ship, it will agree to fuck everyone on board. And keep in mind that this demon was created in a time when only men were allowed on ships. So, with that in mind, you bring the sexy sea snail on the ship, it gets all skanky like Kesha at a frat party, and everybody fucks it. Now, here's where it goes all squirrely. So, as everyone takes their turn banging the snail, it just takes their balls. It just takes their balls. It physically removes your testicles, somehow unnoticed, until it has all the balls of every man on board. And what happens next is somehow crazier than an erotically charged sea snail stealing your balls. It then has your balls, and it blackmails you, using your balls as leverage. It threatens and I'm quoting the stories I've read here directly, that if you do not give it all the fish you and your crew have caught, it will eat all of your balls instead and jump back out to sea. So, the Japanese fisherman naturally give it the fish. Um, I'm assuming the Japanese fisherman probably created this story, like, after getting a concussion sometime and then drinking massive amounts of seawater. And, uh, it just really went to some really odd extremes because whoever was, uh, it, whoever concocted a sexy testicle-robbing sea snail, that that fisherman willingly fuck just because Japan. Why not? Um, okay, so the last one, the last Japanese demon I have to prove that uh, you can't fucking out crazy Japan is called Shirime. Shirime, literally translated into English um, according to the website I found it on, which is scaryfunforkids.com Shiri. Translated in English means butt, and May means eyeball. So the Shirime translated in English means butt eyeball. And it is a ghost that stares at you from the depths of its asshole. Or at least that's what a child's website told me. So I did my own research into this one and came across a story that goes as follows. So one night there's a samurai, and he's walking around up and down the roads of the village he lives in, you know, patrolling. He's just making his rounds, making sure everything's safe, when from behind him, he hears a bunch of footsteps. And the samurai whirls around, and just standing like, uh, like a yard or two behind him is just some dude who has no discernible features. That's important. He had no, this, this guy had no discernible features, or he was just far enough away that the samurai couldn't make out any discernible, discernible features. So the samurai is about to approach this random person and see what they want when the the random dude just takes off all their clothes, just bends over, spreads its butt cheeks, and right in the center where the asshole should be is just a single fucking eyeball staring at the samurai. Do you want to know what happens next? So do I, because the story just fucking ends there. Because in case you haven't been paying attention... In Japanese folklore, you can just end a story the instant a featureless person with an eyeball for an asshole bends over and shows you their asshole eye to a samurai. Does it explain anything about it? Nope. Do we gain a deeper understanding of why the shirime is such a feared entity in Japan? Nope. It simply exists in that ethereal realm of Japanese insanity that is designed to smash our rational minds into nothingness. So... Going back to uh, video games, these this not these aren't the erotic. Uh, am I going to end up dating a, a bird, a cat, or a piece of fish? Uh, video games. This is just a a video game. This is a video game that's only available in Japan because it's too po- it's too awesome to and crazy to possibly exist anywhere else. So the game is called Sonic Blast Heroes, and it's an arcade game that you can play. Um, and you play as the character who is a man who punches everything in his path for no discernible reason. It's like becoming dangerously drunk but contained within the safety of a video game. And your entire purpose in this game is to just punch anything you encounter. Um, Such as, not limited to, but including, a dinosaur, a giant octopus, and an 18-wheel semi-truck, all while screaming furious and incoherent exclamations. And unlike the reality of getting dangerously drunk, you won't wake up in your kid's bedroom covered in puke and surrounded by broken toys. So, now, this concept isn't that crazy, I'm sure you're saying. Uh, Especially for the the shit in Japan that I've just told you about. Except for that the game system is literally a 55 inch screen and a punching bag. So you literally have to play this game by punching. It's an exercise disguised as a video game. And the harder you hit, the further into the background, the many baffling enemies that I mentioned earlier, will go flying. So, the person who punches the hardest wins. Also, there's a complete stage where you punch giant meteors out of the sky, or they'll end all the life on Earth. And that's just badass. That's like, What? Meteors are falling from the earth. Nah, no worries. I've got these. And then you show your fists. And then you go outside and you literally punch fucking meteorites out of the sky. Um. Okay. Oh, shut up, all cats. Fuck you, cats. Yay. Ah. So um, now it's time to talk about Japanese fast food and uh, snacks. So uh, anybody here hungry? Anybody want pizza? Yeah. Anna can want pizza. Yeah. Mom, pizza. Yeah. Nope. Okay, well, uh, what do you guys, what do you want on your pizza, Annika? Um, I want
0: pepperoni.
1: Okay, I you sure you... Nope,
0: because this shit's
1: from Japan. You sure you don't want fucking Kit Kat bars?
0: Dad, I don't want... Dad, I just
1: want real pizza bars. No, 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 I'm, t- I, I'm trying to tell you something. You sure you don't want fucking Kit Kat bars on your pizza? Because in Japan, they have an unmatched love for chocolate-covered wafers. <laughs> and that's unmatched love for chocolate-covered wafers knows no bounds. So they've Can you stop... The fuck out of here! Yeah, their their love of chocolate-covered waivers knows absolutely no boundaries, and uh, so they've decided to top an American-style pizza with them. Maybe, maybe you're not in the mood for a Kit Kat-topped pizza. Maybe you want a uh, snow crab burger. So walk into any Japanese Wendy's location. And you can order this delicious-sounding burger, which is, in reality, just a regular cheeseburger from Wendy's with a hunk of uncooked crab meat on it. Because, fuck it, it's, a, it's Japan, just do whatever. Maybe, maybe with your, uh, maybe with your hunk of crab meat on your regular Wendy's cheeseburger in Japan, you want some fries. So, in that case... Um, just in case the taste of deep-fried salted potatoes isn't what really gets your taste buds salivating, maybe try busting open a chocolate pie and dipping the fries into the chocolate sauce within. Because in Japan, you can do this at literally any fast food restaurant. Matter of fact, they don't even offer ketchup or mayonnaise so much as they offer you chocolate sauce for your French fries. Because, again, Japan, fuck it, just do whatever. Okay, so maybe you're not thinking fast food. Maybe you just want a snack. Um... So, with that, I have a question. You go into the kitchen for a snack, but you can't decide between a, a bag of Doritos or slicey slices of uh, salami deli meat from the deli drawer in your refrigerator. So, what do you do? Well, if you're in Japan, nothing. This is not a problem, because you grab a bag of salami-flavored Doritos and enjoy tortilla chips that are flavored like Italian deli meats. Maybe you want some ice cream. Anybody want ice cream?
0: Nope.
1: Nope, OK, that's a good call, Ash. I want ice cream. Oh, Anakin, that's a mistake, and let me tell you why, because in America, I'm happy with flavors like chocolate, vanilla, rum raisin on occasion, maybe. I don't know. My favorite is chocolate marshmallow. Anakin loves chocolate marshmallow too, because he ate an entire gallon of it and then hid the fucking empty container and under guess my couch.
0: What? And guess what?
1: And then he just gave me the finger about it. But in Japan, you don't get those choices. In Japan, they have more, let's say, exotic flavors of ice cream, such as tomato, ramen noodles, chicken wings, or horse meat. The flavors of ice cream available to you in Japan are tomato, ramen noodle, chicken wing, or horse meat, because clearly you want your ice cream flavors to send your taste buds screaming off into the night. Maybe maybe you want some breakfast. Maybe you're in Japan and you wake up and you're feeling breakfast. You want some pancakes. Ooh, I love pancakes. One of the best things. Uh, let me let me get serious here for a second. One of the best things in my life is adding things to the pancake batter to give the pancakes different tastes, like cinnamon, um, or blueberries. Ooh, chocolate chips. Um, ooh, peanut butter. A little bit of vanilla maybe, or squid ink. Wait, what was that last one? Did I say squid ink? Yeah. Because in Japan, that's a fucking delicacy. You go to Japan, and you add squid ink into your pancakes. Because it's cool when your breakfast looks like the autopsy of cancer lungs. That's what you want in Japan. You want your breakfast pancakes to look like a fucking, uh, the x-ray you get whenever you're told you have six months left to live because you smoked too much as a youth. Um. Now, this last one, this last snack from Japan, um, is, uh, this one's particularly dangerous. And I'm just saying that out front, because it's an, it's an energy drink. And you remember in the last episode I did, where I talked about all the energy drinks, and I'm like, oh, I knew they should make up their own brands. Like, uh, you know, instead of Red Bull, I came up with a Purple Yak revitalizing <laughs> beverage. Um, well, Japan apparently beat me to that punch. Because, like everything over there, they're fucking nuts. So, what I'm about to describe to you actually exists. And in Japan, they have what, I'm, what, what are literally called, everybody listening?
0: Yeah.
1: Erotic. Flavored energy
0: drinks. Oh my god, that's
1: terrible. You don't even know what that means. You're eight. Ah! They have erotic flavored energy drinks. And this one just confounds me. Because, simply, the flavor is just an adjective. It, it, it's a fucking descriptive and says nothing about how you should expect it to taste. Maybe it does, actually, though. Now that I think about it. But, I myself, I've given up on trying to figure out why Japan does what it does. Because it's Japan. Instead, I'm going to say this to you. If you're ever in Japan and you happen upon an erotic flavored energy drink and you're like, I wonder what this tastes like, just look at the uh, Japanese anime girl slapped onto the can. And if she looks frightened and like she's about to be violently raped, if that's the only indication of what erotic flavor means, then I'm telling you the flavor is rape. It, it, It tastes like rape. Okay. So, that's why you can't out crazy Japan. Um... One last thing before I go, there are some notable mentions that I didn't get to talk about, some other Japanese demons here. Uh, There's the Nekomata, which is basically just a cat who uh, is disguised as an adult human woman, and whenever you go up to it, it ages rapidly, like that guy who drank from the wrong grail. Um, There's the Akateko, which is a red hand that just dangles out of trees. It doesn't do anything, it's just a red hand, it just dangles there out of a tree. Um, there's the Basan, which is a giant chicken that breathes fire. Um, and then there's the, uh, uh, Oka, which is a tiny red creature that looks like a half-developed frog. Like, you know whenever a tadpole is turning into a frog? Well, just imagine, like, somewhere along the line between tadpole and frog, it's just like, nope, I'm done now, and it's bright red. And, uh, the size of, like, you know, a boulder, and then goblins hit it with sticks for no goddamn reason. So... That's, uh, that's a thing. Another, uh, here's some flavors of that that Japanese foods that I had to notable mention. There's uh, spicy and sour cotton candy, because that just sounds fucking delicious. And uh, you have baked potato flavored Kit Kat and uh, chocolate bars over there. Um, and lastly, but not least, there was uh, Dracula in beer flavored pudding. Now that's one flavor, Dracula referring to Vlad Tepish, Dracula the Vampire of Legend, and beer, referring to beer. I'm not in any way, shape, or form understanding how either of those flavors go together, but that apparently in Japan, if you want pudding, make sure you get your Dracula and beer-flavored pudding. Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so, you know, not to just focus entirely on Japan. Um, I did a little bit of thinking earlier. And so, uh... You know, for me, that's always dangerous. So, uh, this is a segment that I'm going to try to do each episode from now on, and I'm calling it Wait a Second, where I ask questions that should be obvious about movies that I fucking love. So, I was was watching Friday the 13th Part 2, and uh, anybody familiar with the Friday the 13th series knows that Jason wasn't the killer in the first one, it was his mom, and then he becomes the killer starting in Part 2. So at the opening, in the opening scenes of Friday the 13th Part 2, Jason kills Alice Hardy, the girl who cut his mom's head off at the end of Part 1. And uh, long story short, the way Jason kills her involves uh, Alice finding Jason's mom's severed head in her refrigerator uh, that Jason apparently put there. And Jason sneaks up behind her and then ice picks her in the temple and she's dead. Um, But that's when I started thinking. So here's where the title of this segment comes in. But wait a second. Now, assuming that somehow Jason already was able to find out where she lived, he had to get there from from Camp Crystal Lake, from from the wooded areas of Camp Crystal Lake. He had to get to town to her apartment. And uh, that leads me to some questions. Did he walk there? Uh, Because Jason doesn't drive. And, you know, so he had to walk basically the entire way. I mean, if he did, maybe he took a cab, but with what money? He he apparently drowned as a kid, but didn't, and was has been living in the in the woods like a fucking hobo drifter for uh, for years. Remember, he's a mongoloid. He's, he's he's a he's a mongoloid person. He's an un, unspeaking, unthinking mongoloid man. So you know, if he couldn't take a cab, he doesn't have any fucking money. So he had to walk the entire way from Crystal Lake, right? That that's the only thing that's logical that makes sense. So also think what I about what I just said. The his plot involved Alice finding his mom's severed head in the refrigerator. So he had to walk from Crystal Lake into town to her house, all the while being unseen, while carrying his mother's severed head the entire fucking way. So, anyway, let's, let's bypass that. Now that you've thought about that, I'm sure you're going, Yeah, wait a second. Hey, wait a minute, wait a second. But, um, let's bypass that. Let's get on to the other point. So, okay, let, let's say he makes it there unseen with the severed head. He, he, you know, he, maybe, maybe he hopped in the back of a truck and they didn't see him hop in there and he rode that into town. Um, he gets there unseen with the severed head. He's all in one place and now now his plot's in motion. He, he, he sneaks up to her house. He sees that she's sleeping and he sneaks into the house and he, and he puts the head in the fridge and then he does what? What does he do next? Does he just wait? What, does he stand behind curtains just waiting for her to just wake up and open the fridge? What if she slept through the night? How long is he going to be waiting there? And what if she overslept and wakes up the next day and just rushes out the next morning without breakfast? Is he prepared to hide there in the house until she gets back? Or is he going to, like, you know, go rifling through her belongings and, like, reading her newspaper? You know, and again, he brought along his mom's severed head with him, which suggests that he was committed enough to having her find the head that he very likely wouldn't have killed her until she found said head. Um, So would he have moved the head after a certain amount of time to a more obvious spot? Or uh, was the head-in-the-fridge bit his be-all and end-all for this scheme? And at what point would the smell of decaying, severed head make things awkward? You know, and another thing, wait a second, exactly at what point does Jason say in his unspeaking mongoloid brain, you know what, I've got a great idea, I'm going to scare her good, and then decide to go do this? You know, I love Jason Voorhees, I love Friday the 13th. They. Um, I've said many times that Jason is the one serial killer out there that, that you can actually feel bad for. Um, If you really think about his backstory, Um, he's great at stalking, but he's not, he's never been so hot with the, with the quote unquote plans. So I bought, I wonder how he plotted out something this intricate and I'm going to leave that to you, the EOS army to figure out. Okay. This has been a great episode. I'm glad I got to do this. It was fun. Um, Before I leave you go coming up this Saturday, this Saturday, October 26th. 2019, I am going to be joined by my friend and EOS correspondent, William Sines. Mr. Bill Sines is coming back, and we're going to talk about some stuff, and we're going to do, we're finally going to do movie commentary over that 1993 blockbuster, that movie that shook the foundations of the movie world in 1993, Super Mario Brothers the movie, starring Bob Hoskins, Dennis Hopper, and John Leguizamo. Coming up in November, on November 16th, guess who's coming back to town, baby? Grimace. Grimace is coming home to the element of surprise, so look forward to that. And, of course, as always, before I leave you, go, I'd like you to check out the following podcast. There is uh, a Fireside Chat, hosted by Ryan McCormick, Grimace himself. 4AM knows all my secrets, I think that's still a thing, hosted by Ryan McCormick and Tiffany Moore. Uh... The McSauce Podcast with Ian, Paul, and Matt. Check them out. They're doing a lot of fun stuff in the world of comic books and pop culture. Case in Point, hosted by Mr. Justin Case. Always a good listen. And um, I I stumbled upon a podcast recently that I'd like everyone to check check out, uh, hosted by uh, some very funny people. It's called Lunch After Dark. So check out all those podcasts. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. I appreciate how you uh, sit there. And uh, I appreciate how you can't out-crazy Japan. So, let's go with the Japanese. Um, let's go with the Japanese to English translation of Cue the Fucking Bear Music. Cue the Fucking Bear Music.
0: Your picture of me and you. You know I love you. I really you too. I see that staring and there's nothing else to do. Oh, it's in color. Your hair is brown. Your eyes are hazel and soft as clouds. I often kiss you when there's no one else around. I got your picture, and like am million of you all around myself I want a doctor to take a picture, so I can look at you from inside as well He got me turning up and turning down, I'm turning me, I'm turning right I'm turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I let everything slow I'm turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I let everything slow i so. turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I let everything slow I'm telling Japanese, I think I'm telling Japanese, I really think so I got your picture, I got your picture I'd like a million of them around myself I want the doctor to take a picture So I can look at you from inside as well Turning, Johnny turning, Johnny turning, Johnny turning Johnny I Johnny i Johnny really so. i Johnny I Johnny Johnny Japanese Johnny 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 I think Cyclone. to me.